This is the best of WTMJ Nights. Here's At the Breweries with Brian Noonan. You know, we love to talk about beer here on uh, WTMJ Nights. And not just drinking beer, but the stories behind beer. And when beer and the craft beer industry get together to do something very special. We're uh, joined now by John Kowalski. He is the owner of Component Brewing. You can find Component, of course. Component Brewing Company is at 2018 South 1st Street in Milwaukee. Componentbrewing.com is the website. John, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for taking some time. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. So a lot of people might not know this about the craft beer industry, but even though all the breweries are you know, everybody's competing for consumers. It, it is a business, but there's a sense of community. And there's also a sense when something big happens, whether it's uh, fires or a political movement or, well, rare diseases, breweries come together and help each other out. And I saw what you guys are doing at Components. You've, you've done these things before, but you're trying to get other brewers to join you for um, a beer that will go to help research for rare disease, rare uh, diseases, rare disorders, and the National Organization of Rare Disorders. Um, how, how does this work when a brewery like Component says, all right, we want to do something to help a cause? How do you get the word out to other brewers, and how did you get involved with um, the National Organization of Rare Disorders? Um, so we're kind of figuring it out as we're going along now. This is the first time we, uh, we've we um, spearheaded a um, thing like a project like this. So um, I'm really just kind of, you know, boots to the ground, making phone calls, emailing, um, directing people to the, to the website, www.zebrahop.com. Um, and just going about it that way. Now you guys have done collaborations before for different uh, causes. You've actually done a rare disease beer before, and you did one for native lands that came, uh, that started in Albuquerque for people who yep. don't know what brings all these brewers together how do how does this collaboration work so that you know we can see the results when we go to the bars or when we go to the tap rooms rather um i think it's just you know beer is a great way to bring people together and you know like you said we're you know we're all different businesses but we're all we're all in the business of beer and giving people a great experience while they're drinking the beer together. And, um, this is just, you know, we're, we're passionate about it and, um, we want to try to, you know, help our little corner of the, of the world here. So now the beer you're doing is zebra hop, as you said, um, you come up, you come up with a component, you come up with the recipe when you make this pitch to these other breweries and say, Hey, do you want to brew this beer? Do they have to brew it exactly like you do? Do they have, is the labeling the same? So if I'm, you know, if I'm drinking a zebra hop at component and then I go to, I don't know, let's say 
Albuquerque because that's where the native land one you did that started at Bow and Arrow yep. Brewing in Albuquerque. If I go down there mm -hmm. and I get a zebra hop, is it going to be exactly the same? Is does every brewer do it a little different? How does that work? I think everybody does it a little different. Um, some of these initiatives they prefer you to brew the same beer. Um, for zebra hop, I kind of wanted people just to use some of the newer um, the newer brewing products that are or ingredients like hops and um, yeast that are out there. Um, these new advanced products will like signify the advances in medical research to try to find uh, cures for these rare diseases. Um, but beyond that, I, I hope people, you know, different breweries put their own spin on it so I can go taste different, you know, taste the difference between all of them. And how did you get, how'd you get involved with the rare diseases cause? Why, why this initiative? Um, yeah, this one uh, hits home because uh, my six-year-old Mac has a rare disease called Milan syndrome. Um, and most people probably wouldn't hear of it because he's one of 200 in the world that have it. Um, oh my God. So instead of trying to have a beer that is trying to help 200 people, I thought maybe we should broaden it a little bit and, you know, try to help the 30 million Americans out there that have a rare disease. Wow. 200. That's, that's a, I can't even, I can't even imagine that. Just how do you find information when something is that rare? But as you said, profits from, from these kind of things will help, you know, research and, and all the things that will go into hopefully helping people with these rare diseases. In the past, how have, how have they worked before? Have they been successful? Have you, I know, like I said, you did a couple. How did those work out when you were, when you were brewing beers for either native land or your, uh, the other rare disease beer that you did? Um, yeah, I think they were successful. Um, we got people to come into the tap room that, you know, maybe might not come in normally and that helped spread the word and make awareness for, you know, whatever, whatever cause we're brewing the beer for that time. How's, how's the response been? Cause you put out a nice letter to, you sent out this, uh, letter with the subject line or email with, uh, will you brew for rare diseases with me? I'm guessing you sent it out to most brewers. How's the response been so far? It's been good. Um, we have some on board now. Um, most are local here in, in Milwaukee. Um, I, I actually, the, the process took a little longer than I expected. So we're a little closer to the deadline than I wanted to be. So, okay. um, most breweries have their production schedule done through quarter one of 24. Um, so they're not sure if they can do it, but I do say we can do it. You know, if they want to join the herd, um, they can brew at any time. It doesn't have to be by there you go. the rare disease day. Yeah, I was going to say the rare diseases aren't, unfortunately, at this point going away. So if they, you know, anything you can raise to help that re research is good. When is rare disease day? Uh, rare disease day is always the last day of February. So normally okay. it's on February 28th. But this coming year, since it's a leap year, it's on the 29th. So it's the ah very nice. The that is a day. rare day. So, so yeah. Now, when you uh, so you 
like as a as a brewer, how far you mentioned the brewery calendar, the brewing calendars. How far ahead do brewers? How far ahead do you guys plan your brews at Component? Um, we try to plan out like a couple months in advance, um, but there's always you know things that come up where we we leave room in the schedule. So if okay. you know somebody did approach me with something you know, what I think is cool like this, um, we would do our best to try to fit it in. Um, but, you know, sometimes schedules are pretty rigid. Now, Matt is here. Matt is uh, Gen Z. Tommy uh, Tommy is there, too. Tommy, who produces uh, this show as well, is in doing some more work. I have a question for both of you gentlemen. And uh, if Jessica wants to chime back in, she is welcome. Because I, I read this, and I'm like, are young people that much more enlightened than older people because it this a new study says that majority of young people uh, are more willing to spend on non-essential purchases and hobbies than older generations in order to have better quality of life than extra money in the bank now there are risks but all right I will ask I will ask you Matt if you had a choice between having some extra money in the bank when you got older or living a life that was full of experiences while you were young and able to enjoy them. Which one would you? Which one would you go for? I'd say save the money because you can have the experiences later. Uh, not every experience. Some experience, like if you get to be sixty-five, seventy, depending, uh, you're not going to go mountain climbing. Yeah, skydiving right. out of the question. Then, you're not going like, to skydive right there. All right, but Matt, Matt is chasing the almighty dollar. That's fine. That's a, that's everybody's got their thing. Tommy, where do you fall on this? Uh, I like split the middle on it. I would say, you know, there's I'll, I'll take a vacation if I want to. I don't take a lot of them or anything, but I like to think I save my money pretty well for some of my age. Okay. Do you uh, do you do that over enjoyment? Do you like my? I, I will say this. My daughter is that way. Like she she. Thank goodness. She's very good at saving saving money and putting it away and, and investing and all that. Almost to the point where sometimes she foregoes enjoying her life because of that. And there's a lot of life between she's 27 and whenever you're going to retire. All right, Jessica's here too. Jessica, where do you fall on this? I'm also going to say kind of in between. Like, I okay. definitely want, you know, to have meaningful experiences before that that retirement age so I, I honestly might lean a little bit more towards the yeah you know savings good but <laughs> we'll, we'll have some yeah, fun not, yeah just to clarify because you guys all are have very good responsible answers it's not that they're foregoing saving altogether right they're just soft saving is what they're calling okay. it. they're they're saving some money they're they're being responsible but they're not saying oh my friends are going to Paris. I've always wanted to go to Paris, but I'm trying to, you know, it's not like they're saving for a house or but that I would have to I would have to use some money and maybe this month I didn't put as much into my savings account as other months. I would say there's definitely like a money cap on that if I, Paris is way too big a picture for me to even think about like, oh yeah, I'll go do that just cuz I want to do that, but if something's like a few hundred bucks and I really would enjoy it, gotta I take would it. Definitely. Absolutely go and do it just because. Like, it, you know, maybe when we get to a thousand dollars, that's when I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I can do that. But 300 bucks and, you know, I get to go 
see a Packer game or something, like, yeah, I would go do it if I wanted to go see that game. All right, let me ask this, and I'm not asking anybody for specifics. So do you think, do you think income level changes that perspective? If, say, I don't know, I'll just leave it at that. Would income level at your at uh, affect that if you were if you were making the kind of money where not that you had money to just blow, but you had enough where if you wanted to go on a trip, you could do it without you know you weren't going to miss your car payment, you weren't going to be late on your rent or your credit cards. You just might not have instead of five hundred dollars that you put away to save every month, you only had a hundred. Well, I mean, I think the answer is, duh, obviously, right, with something like that. I I mean, if you want to be responsible with the money, absolutely, you got to look at what income you're making in order to do it. I've done a good enough job, I think, with my finances up until this point where if I wanted to make an impulse decision like that, now I can't make a bunch of them in a row or consistently, but if I wanted to spend that money, yeah, I, I think that income should have... A huge factor into that and not just right, income well, but like if you your rent and all that sure right and expenses well, in possible. general yeah you have to have i i think this is all predicated on the fact that you have to have some disposable income and let me tell you and thank you all for your for your honesty i appreciate all your answers uh according to this study nearly three and four gen z americans would choose to have a better quality of life than extra money in the bank so again it's not that they don't want to have any money in the bank. So according to a report from uh, financial tech platform Intuit, 73% of those aged between 18 and 25 would rather use their money to enhance their life in the present than put it toward future savings. It's a soft saving trend is what they're calling it. The soft life's answer to finances. Uh, a soft life is a lifestyle which prioritizes comfort, low stress, and wellness. It's about personal growth and mental well-being in the now rather than a future that is unknown. They found that two in three Gen Z Americans are only interested in finances as a way to support their other interests in life, compared to 61% of the general population. Um, According to the vice president and financial consultant at Fidelity Investments, said young people are more likely to embrace a balance between the traditional hustle to save every single penny and using some of their extra income to enjoy life now. According to the study, 73% of Gen Z Americans say the current economy makes them hesitant to set up long-term goals. This is compared to 63% of the general population. Uh, Gen Zs and millennials uh, were more willing to spend on non-essential purchases and hobbies than older generations. And I can see... I can see a benefit in that being being older than all three of you, and um, you know having everybody makes sacrifices. Everybody is should be cognizant of their finances and their their money. Uh, I think I think if you have a little extra, and it can make your life a little more enjoyable in the present, without sacrificing the future. I think you go ahead, do it, enjoy yourself, because at this point, the way the, the way things are going in the world, who knows what's coming? You want to wait 40 years and then find out, oh, man, I put all this money away. This is great. 
Now there's nowhere to retire to. Well, ba- yeah, I was ocean- just banking on you know a radio career. I don't know when oh, I'm yeah. going to be able to retire yeah, here. Well, so, Tommy, I I think I I thought I tried to teach you a Matt better than right. That. Yeah, this is you know that didn't work. Yeah, Matt's on. Matt's you know Matt. You guys are both doing very well. Uh but this is not the long term solution, fellas. When was the last time you were truly embarrassed? I definitely can think of the last time I was truly embarrassed. All right, let's go. You're, you're, you've got it on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. I just told you mine, and I will tell it. <laughs> no, I will tell it to uh, to everybody else. So, when was the last time you were truly embarrassed? So, my family is extremely artistic when it comes to, uh, you know, music, art, whatever, theater. They're all involved in that. Oh, wow. I ended up taking a different path really and chose the sports and athletics path when I was in school and did mostly that. I never really did any art or theater when I was in high school. When you get to college, you have to take some arts credits, right? And I had right. I was like, "You know what? Whatever. I'll take this drawing for non-art majors class, okay?" And That sounds like it should be accessible. Right. I, that's kind of my thought on it, right? You know, it's there's no art majors, so I'm not I'm I'm not really feeling too much pressure, and the first day goes by, okay, cool. Second day, he has a still in, right? Hey, draw this still. We're going to do this, okay? See where you guys are at. And I'm really trying in this class, okay? I, I mean, I am <laughs> severely like, okay, I'm going to take my time. We have like an hour and change to do this. I'll erase a little bit. I was talking to the girl next to me, looking at her. She was doing a great job. I was like, whoa, you're not an art major? No, I'm a computer science Okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I do mine, and I'm really proud of mine. Like, okay, this is this is pretty good for me, I feel like. Yeah. And the teacher then decides to go around the class, pick some of his favorites from the class, right? And yes. you would have thought <laughs> Van Gogh himself had impregnated everyone in the Kenosha area right before I was born, too, because... <laughs> The entire class was immaculate, Brian. None of these people, none of them at all, are art majors. And I am sitting here with, like, stick figure, terrible, like, just awful. I mean, it's This is so, the sun. It's, it's so a big ball. bad. I mean, just terrible. And I went up to the teacher after, and I said, look, Tom, uh... I'm going to drop the class. Like, there's no way I'm going to compete with the rest of this. He pulled, like, six or seven, which is really, like, a third of the class at the time, too. Okay. All just amazing things. Didn't even pick the girl next to me who I thought, whoa, she's doing a pretty good job right next to me, right? Right. I wasn't trying to be better than anyone, but I wasn't even in the same ballpark as anyone. I mean, it was terrible, so I took theater one and ended up taking theater two, actually, there you after. go. So I, I got my arts credits that way. But yeah, 100% freshman year of college art class, n- drawing for non art majors, wh- the last time I was truly embarrassed. Well, my, uh, my embarrassment happened mere hours ago. So, you know, I didn't have to go all the way back to college. I admire the fact that you had to go all the way back to college. For an embarrassing yeah, I'm a story. pretty confident guy. I, I don't get embarrassed too often. So, but uh, that one really, really hurt. Yeah, and that was in front of people your age right. and a and a guy who teaches art students. Right. So that makes sense. Mine was in front of a third grader, a fifth grader, and an art teacher. 
Uh, well, we have that in we common. We have that in common. I was the just going to say art teachers. That's where it stops, though, because there were no pencils or paper involved. This was um, cool. Part of my day as the PE teacher is playground duty during lunch. I'm a play. I supervise two recesses. The third recess is the fifth and the third graders. And there's a kid. He doesn't really play with other kids. Uh, he always wants to throw the football with uh, one of the adults. And he's a good kid. I have him in class, and he's he's a pretty decent athlete. So today. He usually, well, he usually throws with the PE teacher, but now that I'm the PE teacher, he's been throwing with the art teacher, who is about, he's got to be 20 years younger than me. Um, Now, I haven't thrown a football in a long, long time. And even when I did throw a football, I've never been great at throwing a football. I'm more of a, well, I I played line in grade school. And, you were in you know, the trenches. I was in the trenches. I'm right. not a finesse player. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you, were, I'm the you, were a, you were a hog molly. Right. <laughs> yeah. They dropped me down in the middle, yeah. and I just kept people away from the guys who could really throw the football. Sure. But now, that being said, I could throw a football okay. Um, I'm not, you know, dropping 50-yard bombs on people, but I at least, I at least knew how to get a spiral going. Uh, that all went away today. He goes, do you want to throw? Now, I've been, I was going to say in my defense, but truly, there is no defense. I've been teaching these kids for the last month how to throw a ball and a Frisbee. And for some reason, the first two football throws, I threw almost like a ball. And they bounced about 10 yards in front of me, and I was mortified. And the kid... The third grader's eyes were like pie plates. He was like, oh, my God. What kind of Neanderthal can't throw a football? And then I was like, okay, hold on. And I unzipped my coat, and I'm, you know, rolling my arm around, stretching my arm out a little bit, and I'm like, I haven't thrown a football in a long time. I was never really good. I'm trying to make all these excuses to an 8-year-old, you know, who's who's already looking at me like I'm the biggest failure on the planet. And and then the art teacher is just slinging it as this day is going on, right? Because then the kid comes up to me after I throw a couple, um, and he goes, you played football, right? Oh, yeah. Just but then, kids are too honest. Then once I was able to throw it a little, uh, then they he wants to do a route, and he goes, "I'm going to do a post," and he runs like forty yards, and I'm like, "That well, guess what? This one's bouncing at you too." Because maybe hook it back, hook it back. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you come in? There's a lot of coverage. Let's see. How about just a couple screens, just over the line? We just throw that way. So then he sees now the art teacher has finished what he was doing, and he just yells out to him, "Hey, you want to throw the football?" And I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> so the art teacher walks over. I go, "Yeah. Why don't you throw the football? Why don't you throw the football?" Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name. All right, what is the most unusual name that you have come across? Whether it's somebody you know, somebody you uh, maybe you work with, your kid came home and introduced you to one of their friends, and their friend had an unusual name. The reason I'm asking this is because I love this every year. The Social Security Administration puts out this list 
of the most popular baby names in the U.S. They do this every year. But uh, this year they also put out the 50 unusual baby names that parents chose. This was for 2022. Now, these names reflect fewer than 10 babies each, but somewhere in the world there are nine, there are between anywhere one to nine babies named these names. And a lot of them, I'm anticipating in 18 years, a lot of uh, real-life remakes of The Boy Named Sue, because if you saddle your kid with a crazy name, at some point, they are going to re- resent you. And that's just a fact. And that name could be something wildly bizarre, like uh, some of the ones I'll read off this list. It could be just a name that you personally hate, and you resent the fact that your parents named you that. It's like, how could you name me? And I'm not going to say say a name in this situation, because I don't want to offend anybody if that is your name. But these are the names from the uh, Social Security Administration. I'm just going to highlight a few of the girls' names because uh, this first one, I think we can all agree, stop. Minnow, like the fish. You can name your... I I still think like a 12-year-old boy sometimes. Some of you might say I think like a 12-year-old boy a lot of times. Or most of the time. But I'm looking at these names from somebody who is around elementary school kids and who used to be an elementary school kid. And I can think of a, a dozen ways to make fun. And, and I'm not, again, I know it's not right to make fun. I'm not saying you you should excuse if your child is making fun of another child's name or if your child is being made fun of. I'm not saying that, but I'm going to deal in the real world where we all know kids can be punks and they can be mean and sometimes they will make fun of someone for whatever reason. It could be the color of their backpack. Just, oh, what are you doing with a pink backpack, Bubba? Uh, you know, the kids are goofballs. So I can think of a few insults for Minnow. Uh, Joyous, Bronte, Katniss, I know, I know Hunger Games. Don't name your kid after, uh, after a fictional archer, Katniss, Skylark. I drove a Buick Skylark once. Uh, Interview, the interview too. The, the interview? The movie, Dave Skylark, the host. Off the, wait a minute. I'm I'm missing that. What? Did, the, if it's with Seth Rogen and James Franco. Oh, I never saw that. That's where they interview Kim Jong Un, yep. right? Okay, I've never seen the movie. Great movie. We'll put that on your list. All right. Yes. Good. We finally got one to put on my list. I. You know what? I've passed that a number of times on uh, cable, and I've just never stopped and watched it. All right. I will keep an eye out for it. Uh, Menorah, elegance. Here's one. If you name your daughter Canary. Either you better be working in a coal mine, or you're just an irresponsible parent. Well, her sister Hummingbird and her other sister Rock and Robin would disagree. No, they wouldn't. They all hate their names, and uh, they will represent you. Ibiza, you want to name your daughter after a Spanish island where everybody's hammered and uh, knocking boots? No. Strawberry, Bardot. 
Pearly, and Horizon. Those are just some of the most unusual names for girls. Uh, let's see. I once worked with a Libyan-American guy named... Uh, Hampar- I think it's Hamparsawam. He called himself Hampy. That was probably easier. Yeah, it's like those are unusual names to Americans because we may not have heard them before. Like when I was over in Ireland last year, there's some of my relatives. I I look at how their name is spelled, and it's it it is like it's in another language. But they're you know old Irish names, so those those I count as just you know those are cultural names or family names or something like that. These, there's not too many people who, uh, you know, Strawberry is an old family name. When my grandmother came over from Liverpool uh, on the boat, her name was Strawberry Jamley. And now I have named you Strawberry in her honor. Uh, this is one name, if I had had a boy, I probably would have named him Barley. And then his brother Hops. Um, Barley, Dragon, uh, Daytona, <laughs> stop it, Utah, only Johnny Utah from Point Break can have Utah as a name. You cannot name a boy Utah. Could, what What could their last name be? State line? <laughs> I don't know. Daytona's better be 500. Yeah. It's, uh, what are you doing? What are you calling your... Now, this I've I've met a couple guys named Dragon, but not spelled like the mythical beast. Spelled like, um, I, I forget where their ancestry was, but it was Eastern European. That So I've heard that name before, but not spelled like a fire breather. It's like Dragon uh, Bender, the basketball player. Yes, yes. Uh, would you name your child Clever? No, why don't you just name him Brilliant? If you're going to go that far and make him a target... Uh, here's some for Name boys. them dumb, low expectations. <laughs> well, I'm going to give that to the parents who name their child either Chaos, Ruckus, or Crash. Uh, then somebody named their son Awesome. No, thank you. No, thank you. And Cotton makes... <laughs> I, boy, people are just... People are out of their minds. Cotton got a sibling named Polyester? Could be, could be, and uh, their other child, their other sibling, Wooly. So there's a lot Argyle. going on. Like going on that. <laughs> text the textile. His name's Textile, but we call him Text. Well, we had to call school and let him know that that was okay because they sent home a note and said uh, your son Textile wants to be called Text. Is that okay? And we're like, mm, I don't know what gender is Text. It's it's a not even a gender word. So what? And the, oh, okay. Boy, that was a callback to 7 o'clock. Good luck if you're just joining us, keeping up. Uh, spe- speaking of keeping up, we have to keep up with taking care of business right here on WTMJ Nights. This is the best of WTMJ Nights. From the 262. <laughs> All right, we're going we're gonna to put this out there, and then we'll take a break and come back, and we'll discuss. Maybe we'll have some ideas. Uh, I have to write a poem for class that's due tomorrow. Any ideas... Uh, it's about nature. Well, you know, it's also what? just, it has to be something to do with nature. Okay. All right. All right. We're here to help, Tommy. That's people reach out to us. They say, hey, fellas, 
Uh, I've got I've got to come up with a, a po- now. Does it have to be? Uh, can it be a limerick? Can it be a haiku? Uh, yeah. Does it have to be a, a rhyme? A number of stanzas. Mm-hmm. We'll look up. We should do a whole poetry. poetry segment. I'll look up the types of poems. Those are the only ones right, I know. Yeah, limericks and right. whatever I'll the, pull up the types haikus. of poems, and we'll work on nature. All right, we're going to help you out, 262. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to think about poetry. And if you have, listen, you can help the 262 out, too. If you have a poem, we would love to either hear it or you can text it to 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. We are helpers here on WTMJ Nights. We are taking on something on WTMJ Nights that uh, I am not really well-versed in. Haha, <laughs> no pun intended. We are we are trying to write a poem for someone in the 262. They did send in the parameters. A poem has to be three paragraphs with four lines each. has to have a distinct meter and rhythm. Uh, so we're working on that. We Somebody said this is a... Uh, Task for Chat GPT. We've thought of that. We're trying to do it. Jeff, though, Jeff sent in sent in a nice poem. Uh, more like it's almost. I think his is a limerick because, as I'm learning, there are nine different types of. Poetry. Yes, it sounds like this request is asking for a limerick as well, too. Do you think limerick is the is the right one for this? Because it has a set rhyme scheme. Limericks a a b b a with lines uh, 1, 2, and 5 all being longer than the lengths of line 3 and 4. And I'm not saying this off the top of my head. Of course, I'm reading it. The last line is often the punchline. The sound is very distinctive. So that part, you're right, Tommy. But this guy, this person from the 262, and I'm betting it's a guy because women are going to whip up their own poetry. Uh, That's a rash generalization. Uh, So here's Jeff's. There once was a goose named Gene. He hissed at people and acted mean. The neighbors complained, and my landlord explained he just wanted a yard that's clean. Jeff? Feels feels like he's written that one before. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, he's used used that limerick. That's a nice limerick. Then we listen to this one from the 414. Oh, my goodness. The wind blows through the trees. The pollen is high and makes me sneeze. The days are longer. We hope it's true. It's springtime somewhere just not near you. We walk outside to catch some air, he breathing deeply without a care. For nature shines, it's peaceful bright, we try to grasp it with all our might. So if this rhyme takes you away, that's all I was hoping, nothing more to say. Wow. Whoa. Whoa, 414. Yeah, that got me goosebumps right there. Yeah, that was, man, oh man, nicely done. That's an A if I ever heard one. I wish we had, I wish we had little, um, you know, pens or notepads to give out to people who could write more poetry. Uh, most limericks have a biological component. Is that nature enough? Um, oh, the 414 say just heard the rules. No, listen, your poem was your poem was great. I think it worked. Yeah, wasn't it? If I'm the 262, I'm stealing it and, and you know, reconfiguring it because you've got enough that you could do there. You could probably fit into that criteria or maybe that's such a good start that they'd be able to uh, to finish it. It, it sure sounded like one, uh, it met all generated. the requirements for right there. Yeah, it fits enough of the requirements, you know. So, I, yeah, I think that's great. All right, let me see. I'm having it write me a poem. Oh, too many missing variables. <laughs> all right. We'll have to figure that out. I'll keep trying to generate generate some poems. But uh, thank, that's something we haven't done before, Tommy. 
try to whip up some poems. I, I can't say it's my strong suit, but I'm pretty determined to help this person out here. I have not I'm found a pretty to good. Help too. I've not found a good AI poem generator yet. Um, no, and I've in all I like I enjoy writing. I was always excelled at English and and writing and stuff in school. Those were my strong suits, but I always hated the poetry unit whenever we got there. I just you know I could like limericks, okay, haikus maybe, but you know, I'm not writing a sonnet. I took a class in college called Dante's Divine Comedy, um, which me being who I am saw comedy in the title and <laughs> decided to take the class to find out it's one big book of a bunch of poems. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at with poetry. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we will. We are going to continue to work for you, 262. And friends, if you have a poem, if you think you can top our texter from the 414's poem, please give it a shot. 855-616-1620. It's the old National Bank talking text line. Suddenly, we are a beat poet show here on WTMJ. A very special edition of WTMJ Nights. This is the best of episode for 2023, Tommy Wirtz here, usually producing the big broadcast. Well, I'm doing both for this one. I'm not on for most of the year for the rest of this hour and the next one to come, but wanted to come on here in the last segment. I am in studio. Would love to honor Brian Noonan here with a text question of the night. What's been your favorite moment of 2023? For the WTMJ Knights crew. I know we have a pretty loyal fan base. We get a lot of action on the talk and text line. A lot of you guys listen to the podcast as well. These are some of the ones that we pieced up together and thought might be a great idea to share again. Some of them more recent. Some of them you have to be a little bit more of a loyal listener. They've gone back a little bit. But I thought that was a very fun first hour right there. So please text in. I'll read those near the end of the show. Some of your favorite moments from WTMJ Nights in 2023. Uh, if you were if you were going to guess, yes, we do have every producer on the air who has produced WTMJ Nights coming up. Justin, if you remember him from earlier in the year, he'll have a little bit of a segment on in our number two. We have Taylor Swift drama and how much Brian loves to talk about Taylor Swift on the air as well. Uh, and then to recap it as well, we will finish up the At the Breweries interview that you heard in se- in the first hour. That'll be on in the second hour again. And what would a best of 2023 be without a drive through window? Now, some of you might be able to guess who've been listening for a long time what that drive through window might be. Sneak peek, we have a guest for it, and it's not Justin Garcia. One of the only times we've ever had a correspondent out and about for us on the drive through window. It's a segment that me and Brian came up with this year. It's been so much fun. We love to do that one for you guys at the breweries, of course, too. But the drive through window is something special. I think that's a really one of my favorite things that we got out of 2023. So I will be in studio. We got a whole nother hour coming up here. I hope you guys are enjoying what you have so far. There's going to be more. Um, we have some dark humor segments in the next hour as well. And of course, more of me, Brian 
and Justin Pottinger coming up next as well, too. Stay tuned for the 8 o'clock hour. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. Fine. And then he'd get all excited because he wanted you to pet him, and he'd roll around on his back and do the whole thing. But that initial every time I went in there and that dog came running at me, I thought, this is it. He's going right for the, he's going right for the throat. He never did. Uh, Rottweilers, Beagles, Dachshunds, and German short-haired pointers round out, round out the top 10 for the AKC popular brand, uh, breeds. Uh, with roots in England and then France, the French Bulldogs became chic among American elites around the turn of the 20th century. Oh, then they faded from favor. Last year, about 108,000 newly registered French Bulldogs surpassed labs by over 21,000. So... It's uh, it's tough because they can they can have health problems and then of course with all the breeding, it's rough. There, uh, the American Veterinary Medical Association is exploring ways to improve all flat-faced dogs' welfare because they can't really breathe. One of my brothers, uh, I have four, and we've all. It's funny we didn't have any dogs growing up uh, because there were five of us, and somehow uh, it was laid at my feet. Some doctor told my parents I was allergic to dogs. And so that was the, that was the excuse. And the fact that my mom and dad didn't want to take care of the dog and the five of us. So we never had a dog. Now, now I've had dogs for 30 years. I have absolutely no problem with allergies with the dogs. Uh, and all my brothers have had dogs. So we, we become a big, a big dog family. But one of my brothers had a bulldog, uh, Butkus, who was... Just the cutest thing, but dumb as a stump, and you know had the bulldog issues where they had to take him and have his folds cleaned out on his face, and he had breathing problems, and you know they've got that severe underbite uh, with, with bulldogs. But man, they are they are cute. All right, the reason we all have dogs, well, for a lot of reasons, but they can help our brains. How? I'll tell you after this. WTMJ Nights. How long would this? How long will Zebra Hop take to brew? For so, for people who are like, well, three or four months. That should be enough. Is that enough? Well, usually, I mean, this is a an ale, so it'll take about two to three weeks, start to finish, just brewing. Okay. But I mean, if you um. You make the label stuff. There's other things that go into it than just, you know. Sure, you got it. Yeah. Uh, But we have, I mean, for Zebra Hop, we do have a label template ready for any brewery that would like to join. So all they have to do is drop their logo on there and it's ready to go. Um, The label company that we're working with is providing labels for free. Um, The malt company is giving a discount for malt that any brewery wants to join. And then... Um, Omega Yeast, the yeast company, is providing a discount on yeast too. That that is all a huge help, and it's got to be. That's got to be another. It, not that the cause is not incentive enough, but if if the brewers are like, well, times are a little tough, but well, if we're getting deals on our hops and we're getting deals on the malt and the yeast and the labels, um, that that's got to make the decision a little bit easier. Uh, when when you've been approached, what has made you decide to do some of these collaborations? Um, we've actually done most of them that we've been approached with. Uh, oh, okay. it, it's sometimes it's hard because we do. I mean, we get 
um, emails asking for, you know, like us to sponsor events and provide free beer. We get those emails like sure almost daily and we, we can't really do that, but something like zebra hop or native land or something like that, where we can brew the beer, sell it and donate a portion back to the cause. Um, we're, we're more apt to do. What do you think it is about the craft beer industry that, cause I, you know, um, black is beautiful is one that I've had. And there was the, when the big fires were happening on the West coast, there was uh, there was a collaboration there, and then the ones that you guys have done, and they it happens a lot. What is, what is it about your industry that makes people say, "Yeah, we want to, we will all band together to help this cause"? Because you don't see that in a lot of other businesses. I don't know. Maybe we're just a bunch of caring people. There you go. <laughs> yeah, also, this was John. Uh, this was the time for you to go. Hey, we're we're just the best people around. That's all. Yeah, there you go. Well, also, I mean, craft beer has always been kind of like, you know, we're we're trying to to build our market up against big, you know, big macro beer. Sure. So we've always kind of like, if we all band together, we can lift craft beer as a whole against, you know, the the evil Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, you know that. <laughs> Even sure. though on a hot summer day you might catch me drinking one of those too. <laughs> I was going to say there's nothing nothing wrong with uh, you know mixing it in every once in a while. For those who haven't been to Component, what do you guys do? You specialize in one particular style? Are you across the board? What uh, what would people expect if they come into the tap room? Um, we try to have something you know for everybody. So if somebody comes in, we can you know say what what do you prefer and try to you know, find something that they like. So we're kind of, I guess you would say all over the board, but we're definitely op heads. Um, you'll always find a few IPAs on our menu. That's kind of what got me into the industry is just the love for hoppy beers. Okay. Um, but we also really like, you know, a good clean lager too. So, um, yeah, you can find a lot of different things that are on our menu depending on when you come in. And I, just, I know you've already got your uh, your Christmas ale out. Yeah. Which is what I love this time. I love from the, the fall into the winter is my favorite time of year with uh, between the Oktoberfests and the, the Martins, and then you get into the Christmas ales and stuff. I always love those kind of beers. Uh, what's, uh, what's next for, obviously, we're working on getting this zebra hop thing going, but uh, as, you, as you start looking to 24, What's uh, on the horizon for component? Yeah, um, I can't believe 24 is so close. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and kind of just, just, you know, one track mine on Zebra Hop for the last five, six months. Um, that it's been hard to kind of think about anything else. But I think we're going to be, you know, trying to produce a little bit more, get our beer out into the market you know, a little bit more, uh, right now we have limited distribution, but I think, um, in 2024, we'll try to expand on that a little bit. Very nice. Uh, and what I like about you guys, what sets, what, one of the things that sets you apart is it, uh, big family. And I hate to use the word component, but family is a huge component well, of the brewery, isn't it? 
Yep, that's. I mean, that's part of our name. So, we're we were founded by three cousins. Um, two of us have young kids that you might see around the uh, around the tap room. Um, our name component it means the family component, the components of the beer itself, the hops, yeast, water, grain, um, and then we also strive to be a good component of the community. Very nice. Well, this project Zebra Hop is definitely one more step in being a good member of the community. Component has done this before. If you know any brewers, tell them to go to zebrahop.com to uh, sign up and get involved in this collaboration to help the organization for rare disorders. If you are not a brewer and you just want to have some great beer and you want to go to a tap room and enjoy yourself, you need to get to Component Brewing. It is at 2018 South 1st Street in Milwaukee. Componentbrewing.com is the website. You can get all the information there. John, it was great to talk to you. Good luck on this. I'm sure We'll see the uh, we'll see the results, and then we'll. Uh, I want to touch base and see how it ended up going for you with uh, with Zebra Hop. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks. Have a great night. All right, I'm going to tell you a joke. Now you may have heard this joke before, and I, it's not my joke. It's an old joke, a street joke, as we like to call it in the business. But depending on how you react to this joke, might tell you a little something about yourself. And I'll explain it, but let me tell you the joke first, and then you can tell me what's going on. Man walks into a rooftop bar, sits down next to another guy, and uh, looks at the guy next to him and goes, Hey, what are you drinking? Magic beer, says the other man. Oh, really? What's so magical about it? Well, let me show you. Guy swigs some of the beer, dives off the roof, flies around the building, then finally returns to his seat with a big smile. Well, it's amazing. The other guy says, let me try some of that. So the guy grabs a beer, downs it, leaps off the roof, plummets 15 stories to the ground. <laughs> the bartender just looks at the other guy, shaking his head, goes, you know, you're a real jerk when you're drunk, Superman. All right. Tommy, did you find that joke amusing? Did you laugh at that joke? I, I smirked. I did. Okay. If you did, probably good news. If you did not... Eh, hmm, we'll see. All right, a, uh, a new study published in the Journal of Cognitive Processing. And the reason I bring this up is because the first time I heard that joke, I, la I didn't laugh like an idiot, but I laughed. Um, your reaction could indicate your intelligence. Yes. A team of psychologists concluded that people who appreciate dark humor which is defined as humor that treats sinister subjects like death, disease, deformity, handicap, or warfare with bitter amusement and presents such tragic, distressing, or morbid topics in humorous terms may have higher IQs, show lower aggression, and resist negative feelings more effectively than people who turn up their noses at it. Yeah, you higher, uh, high and mighty. Oh, I would never joke about that. Mm, okay. Um... So that's good news, Tommy, that you laughed, even if you laughed just a little. I, you know, I would I'm like sure. to think I'm an intelligent guy. Well, you would like to think that. This, this probably proved it. Uh, the t to test this correlation between sense of humor and intellect, uh, there were 156 male and female participants. They read 12 bleak cartoons from the Black Book by German cartoonist Uli Stein. Um, 
this is to paraphrase one of the jokes. See how you feel about this. It is a, a comic, you know, like a, a far side or whatever. Um, a mortician is shown reaching deep into the body of a dead person. And his nurse says, the autopsy's finished. He's just looking for his wristwatch. Again. That one I laughed a little more. Yeah, so you're getting smarter by the minute. The more you hang out with me, the smarter you're going to get. Yeah, I I really appreciate dark humor. I like what some people would consider tasteless. There's, you know, there's certain things I don't like to joke about. Not too many, but a few. And it's also a matter of time. You know, I comedy plus tragedy equals time or comedy Tragedy plus time equals comedy. That's how it goes. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not I'm not a guy who would make a 9-11 joke two weeks after 9-11. But 20 years after 9-11, I might make a 9-11 joke. Some people would like it. Some people wouldn't. And that's okay. Um, after the participants looked at that cartoon, they indicated whether they understood each joke, which is a big... That's part of it. Because these jokes have layers and there's wordplay and there's a lot of things going on so if you don't understand it obviously you're not going to think it's funny so then they took some IQ tests they answered questionnaires about their mood aggressive tendencies and educational background the result was very very consistent hearing this do you do you think your sense of humor tends toward the dark do you think that that is a benefit to you? Or are you one of these people who believe that, no, certain things cannot be joked about, and I don't care uh, what these tests say. I know I'm smarter than you tasteless buffoons who are going to laugh at uh, Superman causing a man to kill himself or a guy searching around the body of a dead person to get his wristwatch. We're better than you. We're on higher moral ground. I don't believe it. So, the consistent results... Participants who both comprehended and enjoyed the dark humor joke showed higher IQs, I believe it, reported less aggressive tendencies, that's the only part I'm worried about, and uh, than those who did not. Incidentally, the participants who least liked the humor showed the highest levels of aggression and the worst moods of the bunch. Well, if you think about it, if you don't understand something, you know, you're, you're going to get mad. Look at a chimp. Chimp doesn't understand something. He starts pounding on things, throwing stuff. That's probably like a person who doesn't understand a joke or doesn't find a joke funny. They're just they're just angry all the time and they can't express themselves in a humorous way, so they just start uh, pounding on their chests and screaming. So here's how the, it links to intelligence. Processing dark humor takes a bit more mental gymnastics. As I said, it's easier than knock-knock jokes. Complex information processing, Tommy. That's what we're doing. We're in complex information processing. We should it put requires... that on a shirt for WTMJ Nights. Yeah. <laughs> Complex information processing WTMJ nights. Right. we got to get some swag going. I like that. I like that T-shirt idea. Uh, see, but you're leaving now. Who am I going to trust to do we, that, we, Justin? I'll be the business guy from afar. All right. Yeah, listen, you can do that remotely. You can uh, cut yourself in. Head of Knight's Merchandise. Oh, that would be terrific. Uh, so, yeah, here's... All right, so... Um, these are some... These are now... This report was, again, from Cognitive Processing, but I read it in Reader's Digest. So they, they said, oh, how about some of these dark jokes? I don't Now, see, to me, these are not dark jokes. 
Uh, what has four legs and one arm? A happy pit bull. That's not dark, is it? Uh, I don't think so. Not to me. Uh, why do why don't cannibals eat clowns? They taste funny. Yeah. Oh, Again. okay. Let's go. Yeah, this is not this is not edgy at all. This is a Mitch Hedberg joke. I have a vest. If I have my arms cut off, it would be a jacket. Nice. Funny funny observation. Not I don't think dark. Um, what did Kermit the Frog say at Jim Henson's funeral? Nothing. Oof. <laughs> oof because it wasn't funny or oof because you're offended? <laughs> that one, one kind of got dark a little bit. All right. Well, yes. But see, it's still funny. You know, of course, not if you're, you know, not if you're a child now who wants to watch uh, Muppet Mania coming on Disney Plus, which I'm going to confess I will be watching. Because it's all about Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem going on tour. So, I'm down with that. And there it is, a 2023 Best of WTMJ Nights. What a year. It, it's been a crazy year here at Good Karma Brands and here for WTMJ Nights. It's our first full year at the Avenue. I know... Some people have been around for this show to hear a couple of different hosts. Obviously, Brian taking over for Scott Warris at the end of 2022, so his first full year now. I thought it was fantastic. I had a blast producing it. I know Justin. I know Matt. They also have a blast on the show. Brian, I think I can speak for you on this one here. We're all very appreciative of all you that listened this entire year who've stuck with us and our crazy schedule obviously only being on when there's no sports conflicts in between those Bucks and Brewers. Hey, less shows for us means those guys are doing better too. So nothing to complain about by any means there. wanted to get to the talk and text line here, 855-616-1620. If you still want to send in something here in, I don't know, three minutes to try to get right off the air. Uh, from the 262, love all of the segments when Brian tells stories about boneheaded things he's done. Well, that doesn't limit it down, obviously. Brian uh, done a couple of boneheaded things in his days. A lot of love for the drive through window. A couple of shout-outs saying, oh, yeah, Justin, great to hear from him again. Um, Tommy and Matt, you guys do a great job. Love all the messages. Thank you guys so much. Uh, really appreciative of what's gone on in 2023. Uh, 2024, another year that should be in for a lot of great activity from WTMJ Nights. We're going to stick with a lot of the segments that we've already gone through. You've heard some of the best stuff. Personally, I mean, nothing beats Bruce for me. That was that was so fun. So hopefully we can get another interaction like that in 2024. Just wanted to say I want to wish everyone a very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas this weekend. Hopefully everyone in good health and finds their family safely this weekend as well. Uh, I hope that you guys had a good time listening to this Best of WTMJ Nights. I had a great time building it. Had, got to relive a lot of awesome moments. And of all the moments we heard, there was so many that don't make the cut, too. Um, but give us some feedback on it. What do you think of it? Mainly the feedback will be going to me. So go ahead, text in about it. Um, very happy to be able to produce it. Love working with Brian. And I know you sa it said that I was leaving in the last segment. That was an old segment. I came back. So we're all here for the foreseeable future as well. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to this best of here on WTMJ Nights. Hopefully you all have a Merry Christmas. We'll see you guys all next week.